podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Action. It's the Monday Club, and the cast has been reassembled <laughs> in the bottom of the screen. Delighted to be rejoined by the wonderful Amy Canavan, who is doing the North Coast 500. Lovely to welcome you back, Amy. How are you? Well, I wish I was still on it, if I'm honest with you, Tony. <laughs> joy being away from everything. Um, I was obviously I was made aware of the um, the first result of this against Mitchland. I came home for the second one. Um, I was also away for the West Ham defeat, um, and it was quite nice just maybe turning on the phone, seeing the score, not even really having to cry, just exasperation, and then turn it off again and get off uh, on the road. It was mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Um, I would urge anybody to do it, and probably about now is the best time to be doing it because, like I say, you're just totally taken away from the Celtic Cauldron, and it's quite a nice place to be. Well, thanks for that. It's wonderful to welcome you back. <laughs> and as I say, I'm Tony Haggerty or Reggie Cray, Ronnie Cray, Tim Hattie, <laughs> Face, Shakespeare, Wordsmith, as appropriate. And I'm joined as always by the resident rascal, Axom's Maverick, Russell Boyce. <laughs> Yes, mate. Oh, I'm all right, Tony. I mean, obviously, the weekend didn't go the way we wanted. I thought it was a, a brilliant performance by you, Paul, and Kev on Saturday night trying to pick up the pieces. I thought you did really well. I actually watched it back again yesterday afternoon, and yeah, well done on that, because that was not an easy task to have right on the back of what was another disappointing result in a very slow beginning to the season. Right, I'm going to start on a comedic note. I've been slapped on the hand. <laughs> now, you know my my comment about the rip-roaring, free-scoring, never-boring Glasgow Celtic, and everybody seems to like that, and we have a laugh about it. It's become something uh, synonymous with Axel now. <laughs> now, on Saturday night, I'm lying on top of my bed at 11 o'clock, and somebody gets in touch. Now, I'd always credited the man Jim Cullen from the Montrose Bar in Glasgow, Montrose Street, as being the the originator of this phrase. Yes. But it turns out Egypt here has been saying it wrong. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I the tweet which says that Jim Cullen told me to say to you, you've been saying it wrong. And this is what Jim Cullen used to say to me. Hello, Tony. How are you? How's it going with the free-flowing, all-scoring, never-boring Rip-roaring superstar. <laughs> now that's me, and in my head it became the rip-roaring, free-scoring, never-boring. So you, I'll let the viewers judge what's better and what's best, but I quite like the one that... I like your one, Tony. Therefore... I read that I came up with. My apologies to Jim, and thank you for pointing that out to me. <laughs> I slap myself on the wrist. Now... There's lots to talk about with regards to the land of the leather belts, the Marjorie mm-hmm. Phelps. We'll dive straight in. Amy, you were away and I don't think you said you saw too much football, but did you watch Saturday's 
Yeah. I did. Um, and did I thought I would go away and I didn't think it could get any worse. But um, that was one of the most lacklustre performances I think I've seen in a long time from, from any Celtic side. There was no hunger. There was no determination. There was no, there was no intensity. Um, and there was ultimately only ever going to be one winner. You know, it's not a amazing heart side. You know, we have all seen far stronger heart sides over the years. And you can even take it away from, you know, the, the Tyne Castle, Cauldron, whatever you want to call it. This was a championship promoted side. You know, they unfurled the championship flag, the championship trophy, which they begrudgingly accepted last year, was, was presented to them yet again. This was not a a high quality uh, or a good calibre of players at, at, at Hearts. Um, you know, there's Celtic rejects amongst the amongst the ranks there, but there was only ever going to be one winner. They looked up for it. They wanted the win. And there's no really any other way to put it. Celtic were on the back foot. Um, there was not one player that I really thought was like, wow, they actually really want to be here. They want to be pulling on a Celtic shirt. Nobody looked confident in the system. Nobody looked confident in their teammates. Um, and I think that's a really stark warning. You know, I think there was a there was a lot of hesitation. There was a lot of back passing. Nobody wanted to go forward. I think Ange said it himself in the post match. I'll be honest, I never actually listened to it live because I turned on to Axon. Um, but I think he said in the final third we just simply weren't good enough. You know, and that was a very strong final third we had. Um, if you look at the names on paper, at least Edward mm-hmm. is nothing of the the man that he was. You know, eighteen months ago. He's just not at the races. And if he is trying to, you know, get a bid away from here um, and get a, a Premier League club or whatever it may be, he's certainly not putting in the performances for it. James Forrest, I think, struggled. I actually never really mind him out on the on the left, but I feel he struggled. Um, Abada was OK, nothing great. I thought Turnbull had one of his worst performances in a Celtic shirt. Um, I don't know if there was maybe too much pressure on him or if he felt the pressure, but he certainly wasn't up to up to scratch. And I just felt altogether it was just a very, very poor performance. I feel a lot has been put on the shoulders of Callum McGregor. And a few for coming in and saying that, that he can't handle the responsibility. I think that he can. I, um, I really think that he can. And I think, if anything, he was one of the more up for it the, um, on Saturday. I thought sorrow every pass was almost a back pass. He was very, very reluctant to to move forward to really try and you know generate any sort of attack. But it was never a, a case for attacks. You know, it was you can't even say sitting back because the defence weren't even really comfortable within themselves. It was just almost waiting to see what were Hearts going to um, chuck itself to really. In the second half, I thought. But Hearts were near enough as good as he could probably could have been at this stage in the season. Um, I seen like a B side the Hearts face Bonner and Rose a few weeks ago, but a few of those players were playing. And again, the levels they just they look a, a level up. I appreciate they've had the the League Cup group stage. They've obviously been participating mm-hmm. in that, and it's a few more games, but it's nothing major, you know. Um, but they looked a far fitter side, and a side that. You know, maybe maybe I was underestimating them a little bit, and of course they will come back, and I think they'll be more than fine in the league this season. But the bottom line is, they have just been promoted again, and we were far, far second best. That's what I've missed about you, Amy. That positivity that you bring. Accepting of the Celtic team, Russell. I'll come to you uh, because myself, Kevin, and Paul John, as you say, were on the, the afternoon yep. uh, on Saturday night and. I've spoken to you off camera, but I wanted to get your thoughts obviously on camera. What what's your thoughts, Russell, on what went down on Saturday at Tin Castle? I, I didn't think we looked like scoring Tony at all. Um I think when you are relying on what I would call a a one off moment, if I'm being generous, you know, by Tony Ralston, which was brilliant by the way in, in its own right. But if you're relying on that to be your only goal away from home against Hearts, you're not gonna win the match. And we've been ahead, we've been in the lead twice. And we've been level. We've brought ourselves level, obviously, on, on Saturday there. And I just didn't feel like there was ever a winner in us, a winning goal. In fact, I actually think the way we scored went against how we've played. In fact, if you're relying on your right back to be playing in the number 10 role and skinning two players and putting in a curl away his left peg, then you know that the goals are, you know, that sort of opportunity is fanciful to expect that to happen again. Lightning doesn't strike twice. So, unfortunately for me, from what I've seen so far, and at the end of the day, 
it's easy to talk about off the part with Celtic. We've done it for months. We all know all about this stuff. What are the unknowns? It's what we're now seeing on the pitch, which we only can pass comment on. We've now got 300 minutes of evidence so far of what we've seen. And absolutely, Ange is going to need to get the right players in to play his way. I just feel in the meantime, you have to use what you've got in the best possible way to win football matches. So far, it's three games, zero wins. I, I'm concerned. I feel he's an isolated figure, if I'm being honest to you. I think the new methods he try, he's trying to bring in and the style he's trying to implement, I think, is undoubtedly different from what they're used to. So when you've got coaches from not just one previous regime, but several, to change your habits, to change your sort of philosophy with those guys there being your sort of support network is a tough, tough ask. Also, of course, we can look at the, the starting lineup and say, well, let's be honest, as much as you don't have the tools at your disposal that you want yet, there was no reason for Nier Beaton, for example, to come back into that team after he completely, you know, sold the jerseys in his last appearance. I actually don't really understand that. We've spoke a lot on Axom and a lot of the contributors have about a pathway for youth. What are we doing here to these youngsters when we're dropping Welsh and removing Murray straight from the squad when we've just put them in a £40 million firing line on Tuesday and you're and they're getting dropped or removed from the squad to be replaced by someone who got red-carded and really did cost us with an absolute act of stupidity. That, to me, isn't a good look. So, yeah, I, I, I empathise with Ange at this moment in time with his situation. Do I feel he's deserving of analysis and maybe a wee bit of criticism for how he is managing the situation he finds himself in? I think that's fair. Well... Amy, Russell said there, played three competitive games, 300 minutes of football, no wins. And we understand that he's implementing a new style and a new system. Does it appear on the outside looking in that he's maybe tried to do too much too soon with the squad of players that he has because he needs players to come in that are tried and tested and comfortable with a system that he wants to bring in? And maybe these players, obviously, these players aren't it. Because whatever message he's putting across, the players just don't seem to be getting it at this minute in time. And it's not a criticism of Ange per se, but, I mean, you said it off camera before we came in, Celtic need to start winning games. Yeah, I believe that's a, a fair comment. Like, as I, as I did say before we came on, the ultimate factor and the only real factor that matters is that Celtic need to start winning games. You know, you can talk about possession and whatever. I can't be bothered with that. You know, there is one statistic at the end of the match that matters and it's that little thing up in the left-hand corner that didn't appear for the first 20 minutes, mind you. But um, that's what matters <laughs> the score. That is the, the only thing that we should really need to be focusing in on um, at this stage. It's about getting a little bit of confidence together, stringing a few good results together. You know, Russell touched upon it there. The the goal, obviously, at the weekend was from Ralston, and it's a it's a moment of, you know, magic, whatever you really want to call it. It's a, it's a world day in the sense that it's the most unexpected sort of goal from the most mm -hmm. unexpected sort of scorer. I've watched Celtic score two goals in the last week and they have both been totally and utterly unexpected. And that's obviously alluding to Callum McGregor's goal as well. They are two moments of magic and that's not a compliment. That is a, a disservice really to what's happening because we are not breaking down teams. We are not scoring a basic goal. We're not scoring ugly goals. We're not getting in and around the areas to be causing any sort of trouble to our opponents. It's taken a moment of magic or a moment of you know total and utter or utter sorry bewilderness to break any sort of you know not because we're not even breaking sides down. I don't even know actually how, how to say it. The point is we are not getting into any sort of position. To, to be creating anything, you know, it's taken craziness really to even to get a goal. And that I don't know what style that is, but it's not a style that Celtic need because yeah, maybe it's happened in the last two matches, but we're not going to make a season out of that. We need to be, you know, getting in and around that six yard box, getting in and around the 18 yard box, even my God, and just get in there, get some crosses in, you know, it's all about our wingers. That's all we've really talked about and style. How many crosses were getting delivered on on Saturday? 
you know, I think maybe your best bet was actually Tony Ralston. I think he put a few decent ones in, but you've got the guys in the middle of the park who don't really want to go for it. Unless it's plopped right on top of their head or right at their feet, they're not moving for it. You know, Edward's not interested. David Turnbull's kind of hanging around outside the box or around the... Yeah, around the, the D at the back and just hoping that a ball lands and take a shot from distance. I think he's obviously been watching Ryan Christie for too long, but he's not getting in and around the areas to just nick in and just get, like I say, an ugly goal. But at the end of the day, it just matters about a result. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Russell, the strap line along the bottom, ground control to Major Dom. I'm taking every credit for that headline. Yes, Tony, you deserve that, mate. <laughs> and it is a concern because Ange does need players. This is not, we're not sitting here after three games and having a pop at the manager because we know he needs to be back and be given the right tools. But the initial thoughts are we'll play three games of football so you're starting to form some kind of, of judgment or some kind of uh, thoughts on the manager moving forward. Now, a lot of teams, when they get a new manager, get what's known as the new manager bounce. Celtic just haven't had that in any of the competitive matches so far under Ange. And I want to see the team with new blood in it and new faces because I know they will improve. But it's the here and now that Celtic have to deal with. And in the here and now, they've played two European matches, crashed out the Champions League, and they've lost to uh, Hearts, who unfurled the championship flag on Saturday. A friend sent me a text and said, that's Hearts, who unfurled the championship flag. I'll leave that in your inbox. Uh, now, you've said before that players, and as a journalist, I'm... I give players man-by-mans on a game-by-game basis. So you, you also said, so why can't you start to assess the manager on a game-by-game basis? Because you think that's fair comment. I absolutely do. I mean, it's not... Uh, this is not all on Ange. Far from it. But what we can talk about is the Ange situation right now and how he's managing it in isolation. We could all go back to the board and not supporting the manager enough. We could all go back to the fact he's not got a backroom staff. But it, just forget it for one second and look at what you're seeing on the pitch and tell me the performance has been good enough of the manager so far. It's not. I am I, I'm convinced it will get better. Okay, so it's not all trying to give him bad press right now. But right now, we don't seem to create nowhere anything like enough goal scoring opportunities and yet when you look at the team I think Amy was touched on at the start on paper we look like our strongest attributes right now in the start 11 are in the final third and yet we don't create anywhere near enough goal scoring opportunities I felt at times you are talking about Tumble earlier I feel like he gets the ball wide and he's not, get, he's not busting along to get in the box He's not, you know what I mean? I just feel like, like you're talking about urgency. You don't feel like Edward's going to throw his head at something, you know what I mean? You don't feel he's going to take a gamble that Ralston will get the ball in the box. You watched a couple of crosses coming in and you thought, that actually looks a not bad ball. There's not one player even 
in the same you know, same postcode as it, you know what I mean? There's no one trying to get there at all. So for me, from what I've seen so far, we have had the lead, as I say, um, in a couple of the matches. We got back into it, Tyne Castle, with a freak moment. And yet what's happened in the last sort of 20 minutes, half hour of the games, we're now being accused of tiring too early. Celtic's played, what, four pre-season friendlies, was it? They've now played three competitive matches. They're elite sportsmen, paid tens of thousands of pounds per month, per week. If fitness is an issue, and we've got talk of sports scientists now getting called into question, apparently by the manager as well recently, what is actually just going on? Full stop. The manager said on Saturday also as well, I mean, that he felt there was maybe a lack of cohesion. And he said before and after the European ties, uh, it, he said, it's on me. Now, if it's on him, then he has to take a wee bit of responsibility for that. Then, if there's if there's a lack of cohesion about Celtic's performance, isn't that kind of an admission that maybe the players aren't adapting to your system or don't actually know what they're meant to be doing at times on the field? You know that, that that's what it kind of that's what a lack of cohesion says to me. Absolutely, and you know it. This is why it's not a, a short-term panic or anything like that, because this is really what we we're alluding to the whole of last season. You know, there was a lack of unity, unity, cohesion. We're all just talking about being a team, really. That's all the you know, that's all that really means. So cohesion is just a, a fancy word for it. But there is no, there's no connection, and that that's what we're we're trying to say that the the things that were happening in the final third, nothing was coming together because nobody looked the team, nobody really knew where they were supposed to be. Was Turnbull supposed to be in that 10 row? Was he supposed to be drop, dropping back into the thick row? Was he supposed to really be in up with a, as a false nine in and around the box? There's almost too much, I don't know if there's maybe too much going on, too much, like say, of a style trying to be implemented that's not working. But at the end of the day, as Russell kind of saying as well, these are elite sportsmen um, and I'm not wanting to give the, the players you know, too much leeway here because fitness levels, they should not be brought into question yet again. You know, And obviously we all know the last manager that, that had um, issues with that and after who obviously he took over. But these guys should be able to adapt. And I'm not meaning that they should be able to adapt like that, but it's been 300 minutes now and plus whatever it has been in pre-season, there has to be something not clicking and that is when Ange, as you say, has to take that little bit of responsibility and go, right, that is my long-term plan. But right now, we need to get a little bit of confidence amongst the players, maybe formulate what the actual starting 11 or starting 13 sort of players in and around that mix could be. And then from there on, we can try and get a style. But right now, the only style that has to be put in place is that of winning. Russell, you spoke about it off-camera. You said, well, not businessmen and, you know, the board problems will persist and will persist ad infinitum. We're football people who are judging this solely on the football that the supporters have witnessed so far and what Celtic have served up. Exactly. That's fair comment, isn't it, to judge it on what we've seen so far. And we're not making snap judgments, we're just basing it on what we've witnessed so far. And that's We all along have said this Celtic team will improve once Ange gets the players ground control to Major Dom, you need to start signing players. We've got three or, well, the next three or four weeks, three and a half weeks in the transfer mm-hmm. window to make that difference to arm and tools at his disposal that he can implement a system and it all feels comfortable. And there is cohesion in the MSA's team unity. It seems a bit disjointed and at times they looked in disarray on Saturday. Is that fair to say? Uh, absolutely, and again, we can't predict what's going to happen in the part of the next match. You know, the same, we're definitely going to lose on the basis of what we've seen in the next match. But based on the three matches so far, could it have been done better? Is that not allowed? I mean, to be honest with you, Ange actually was the one who came out and says, all the responsibility is on me. But if someone else dares say that, you're, you know, you're, oh, you're slating the manager. The manager, to me, is an isolated figure right now. And I feel if I was him, you're getting a raw deal when you consider Eddie Howe was going to have, you know, all these merry men with him. Everyone, you know, it was completely a polar opposite of what we're witnessing with Ange right now. And I just worry when you see a manager calling out things like the sports science department or the lack of cohesion. I just, I just feel right now, yes, he's not getting the support he needs, but we... 
do a podcast to talk about football. That's how we ended up all, however it was, you know, you've done it for a career, Amy's forging a career, and it was based on what you were watching in the parks that brought, in, brought out this passion. That's all that we're talking about, is what we're seeing in the park so far, and Celtic, to me, played a team newly promoted and never looked like scoring a goal. They got one fluke moment, and it still couldn't keep it out the other end uh, when it got to the last minute, and we conceded a goal from a movie we've seen so many times. So have I seen us concede a goal very much like last year? Yes. Have I seen fitness levels drain very much like last season? Yes. Did I expect to see more change in the first three matches? Yes. And was there a lot at stake in those three matches? Unfortunately, there was. So that's why you need to be scrutinising. We don't play League Cup three group games and maybe go, right, we're better than in right now. It was two games in the Champions League. And the first game is a way to attack a side, as much as I'm saying newly promoted, you know it's one of the games you look back on after a league campaign that's either successful or not. And it's the type of ground you say, remember that game, that was a turning point. We've not had a turning point. We've not even got out of the box. And we're already out of the Champions League and already now three points and four goals behind. And you watch those Two columns in that league table because they should put fear because it was 25 points last year and now we're already three points uh, worse off. I know it's only one game. Am I panicking? No. But am I, am I going to allow the season to be written off like some are suggesting? Absolutely not. I made the point Saturday that Celtic don't do transitional seasons and I got a bit hit up about it and stroke angry about stuff You're like that. spot on. You know, it's, just, it's not on. And, and I am cutting Ange a major bit of slack in terms of see the team that played on Saturday and finished that's mm-hmm. a Neil Lennon team apart from Starkfield, Abada and Furuhashi Amy isn't it not mine but Furuhashi got 12 minutes which is not long enough to make any impact and he was flung on to in my opinion to score a worldie to dig Celtic out a hole it wasn't flung on for, you know and to introduce him Give him his first taste of Scottish football, but he mean he and he didn't make a great contribution. But that's not that's not his fault. He came on in a difficult game, and the managers kind of threw him on in hope more than anything else to try and go and win the game. Now Starfelt came in. We've lost a goal inside seven minutes. You know Starfelt didn't have a great start to his Celtic career. Fair enough, these things happen, but. Abada, we said, didn't have a great game. So, those three players in isolation, it, it's a Neil Lennon team, isn't it? It's more or less, that's eight out of that 11 starting uh, that's from last year. So, I, I, I do empathise with Ange and I can see what he's up against. But you mm-hmm. have, these are games that you have to win. Simple as that. It's, it's, winning's the bottom line until you get players and you can play your system and are comfortable with it moving forward. That's the point that I'm making. I worry from where we go from here as well. You know, that is, that is us, sorry, now in August. How many players do we realistically think we will be able to bring in? And you really want to be coming to this sort of club? You know, I worry that we're going to start scrambling because I don't see anything happening a lot soon. You know, any player that you can really be linked to right now, nothing really looks that concrete. And if it does... I believe we're just going to have a bunch of loan signings again. And loan deals are absolutely useless. You know, that, that that's not a way that a rebuild is supposed to be going. And I know a lot of people are saying, you know, we all knew this rebuild would take time. We've had time. You know, this rebuild was on the cards at the very latest in February. Many of us knew it was that case since in December, yeah. not even before. But February was when, obviously, Lennon left the building. Since then, that was the period where everything should have been put in place. And I know we can look back and say we've dissected that enough, but there's no... We can't be coming in here, you know, and receiving pelters for thinking that after three games we expect to be a little bit more than this. As Tony, you correctly said right there, you know, this should be seamless. This is Celtic. We shouldn't have a transition season. But I believe if the club are... If the club are accepting that this is a, a transitional season, which many fans will not accept, but if they are accepting that, you know, Dermot Desmond or whoever it may be has to come out and accept that and tell the fans that, look, we're expect, accepting it, you have to accept it as well. But that's not going to happen because, you know, there is no sort of communication there at all. Faceless entities on the board as well, 
if this is what we have succumbed to, then they have to let us know because this is so far from what we expected and what we really ultimately deserve. It's just, it's the... It's the worst possible sort of scenario it could really be right now because there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And that is why it's at the worst, because there's nothing that looks promising. There's nothing at all right now that looks promising. I just want to quickly say there as well, I mean, see when we talk about transitional seasons and things like that, that is almost like it's only Celtic that are in this league. Right? See, whilst you're doing your projects and you're doing your transitioning and all this nonsense, your enemies get stronger because you're gifting them prize money that they could only dream of. You're looking and you think they're going to stand still and wait on you to transition, wait on you to, you know, get your wee project off and running. That's not how competition works. The competition never stands still. So whilst you're in this floating about trying to get your, your head together, the rest of the pack are going to race away. And now in Scotland, that might only be one rival. But it just so happens, and I've exhausted this point, that the prize bounty for winning the league this year is £40 million. And let's be honest, they've drawn a team called Malmo they play on Thursday, who've ironically put us out not so long ago. And yet, it's their first stab at the Champions League in over a decade, or you know, first ever stab at the Champions League if you want to humour people. I'm not interested in any of that. The fact of the matter is we all look at them playing Malmo and fancy them to get through. And that that concerns me because if, whilst we can transition and try and do this slow coach pro project, what we're up against is only going to get stronger as a result of that. We can't afford to write this season off. Russell, I've heard people say at this minute in time, Celtic will be lucky to finish in the top three, top four. Celtic, are you talking about Celtic? <laughs> Mind-blowing. For people to actually come away with that statement is, as you say, it's staggering. It's bewildering from the position that Celtic were in. Mm -hmm. in and, and then people are saying, if they beat uh, Zabronich, they'll play AZ Altmar in the playoff round. Yep. And they're saying that's difficult. I don't give a toss about AZ Altmar at this moment in time. Focus on Jablonic, trying to get a win, build some momentum, build some confidence. I don't care about Rangers in the Champions League against Malmo either. Uh, but like you say, I think we'll go through. But that doesn't concern us. But what should concern us is the here and now and winning football matches, starting with Jablonic on, on Thursday. I mean, it's that you have to get, as you say, some kind of turning point. Even, <laughs> even this early, when you're talking about a turning point and you turn in some kind of corner, it's frightening. And then people are writing Celtic off that much that you see that Hibs and Aberdeen could split Rangers and Celtic this season. You know? And again, I get back to it and say, well, Celtic won't be like this for the whole of the season. But we no. have front me here and now. We're not three or four months into the season. We don't have these players that are supposed to be coming in. And as Amy says, I feel the worst in that as well. I think we'll end up scrambling about and try to get loans in. And there's no there's no long-term planning with that then. You know? We'll be back to the old list, Tony. We'll be back to the old list. You know, the list that seems to get churned out year on year will be linked with Paddy Roberts, Joe Hart, all the usuals, mate. You know, I'm trying to think the other ones off the top of my head there and I'm forgetting them. But you know what I'm talking about. It seems almost like there's a go-to group of players that we just have when we press the panic button. And loan signings, when you're... This is, remember, we are told, Dom's man. This is the guy Mr. Mackay wants. He was over the moon. Does it look like it, does it? Where's the director of football? Where's the coaches that he's been able to bring in? Where's the players on the park? And for all the, you know, the that is the other side to the debate, you know, and I want to be balanced because as much as I've been critical of what I've seen so far from Ange, everyone's absolutely right if they do want to point out the tools and with the resources that he's been given so far. And that is on Celtic. We start acting like a big club and it needs to start now. Well, they have to keep, they have to evolve like a big club. Yeah. In the transitioning, you know, in every department. But that doesn't mean you can't be competitive while you're doing it. Well, exactly. It you can't win football matches while you're doing it. 
You know, so I, I, that's that's what I can't get my head around, Amy. You know, this this transition. I mean, I, I, I'm throwing that out. That's getting struck from the records in my vocabulary this season. Because a transitional season just doesn't exist in the minds of any Celtic supporter. No such thing as a write-off of a season. The season they want to write the season off, then they gave the fans a, a season book for nothing. There you go. Very you're good. Not, you're not wrong. Yeah, you know, but they're writing off the season in fine. You know, take a free season on us. We'll cover it. You know? But uh, would you think, Amy, to that? Or was that just too radical? <laughs> I think, obviously, it is, and, and a little bit of just that it would never, ever happen. But yeah, the, the basis, what, what you're saying is, is right. You know, you can't, it's not even accepting mediocrity at that point. You know, you're accepting next to nothing. That whatever, anything, anything promising that comes out of season then is, you know, a win's a bonus. You know, that's not any sort of basis that you can really be taken off from. Because if you're accepting, you know, a season is transition, then that means you're, you're, your standards aren't high, you're... You're not expecting anything, really. And and that can't be the aim of any season for Celtic. As Russell said, especially not a season that is £40 million at the end of it. Well, it's interesting as well because I think a lot of a lot of uh, what I've read anyway from a lot of supporters were, oh, forget about Europe this year, it's all about the league. Now we're talking about writing off this season, which would obviously mean the league. That's two £40 million checks you're willing just to walk away from. Two. Because at the end of the day, we could have qualified for the Champions League this year. Let's be honest, we've made hard work of it every single time. We've always looked like it's been a nightmare. The fact is, though, once you're in it, be in it to win it, you know? And we looked like, from from the strategy so far we've seen, in terms of the timing of the signings, in terms of the delays and in, in, in the likes of Starfelt making his debut after we're already out of the Champions League, you look at these sort of things, you go, maybe they were writing off the Champions League this season. They didn't expect to qualify, so they didn't really take it seriously. OK, but again, potentially £40 million. You then look... Sorry, Russell. Amy, Amy's on her travels again. She's not doing the North Coast 500. She's heading down to Manchester. Oh, superb. We'll have to love you and leave you, Amy, but thanks for coming on. Thanks for your contribution. Always enjoy it. Any... We'll see you next week on the Monday Club. Eh? See you next week, guys. I'll tune in for the rest of it. Thank you. <laughs> All the best. See you later. Enjoy your trip. Cheers. Sorry, Russell. Oh, I was, I've no idea what I was talking about now, Tony. I'm <laughs> like, um, I just think if they've, if they've written off the Champions League, I don't like that. But if you're writing off the league, no, that's just, that just can't happen. Russell, that sentence, and we will drum it in every time we're on this show, the winners of the Scottish Premiership this season get access, automatic access to the Champions League group stages and they win £40 million. Somebody on the Celtic board has to listen to that, be it Don Mackay or the other suits, because we'll keep repeating that. The winners of the Premiership this season get automatic entry into the Champions League group stages and will win £40 million. It's as simple as that. After one game, you're behind the eight ball against a team you finished 25 points behind with outsiders saying you'll be lucky to finish in the top three. Come on. Come on. 100% 100% and it's got to be if you don't win the £40 million that doesn't mean it doesn't exist it means someone else does how do, you, how do you plan on then taking a potentially 12 months time you could be looking at your nearest rival being £80 million richer than what they stand at today now we can all focus on Castore we can all focus on they're going to go bust all you want get real for whatever reason they throw the kitchen sink at it and get away with it and are now potentially in a position where if they make forty million from qualifying and they then win the league again and get another forty million, how do we then close bridge that gap? Because we're already behind. So how do we then bridge that gap when it gets far steeper? We need to, you know, we need to act now. And people say, "Oh, you're you're negative. You're this. You're that." This is realism. It's fact. Right. We're, we're dealing in facts. You know, mm-hmm. I I would love nothing better than to be coming on and saying. By the way, see these first three games, 
I'm loving what Angie's doing. It's rip roaring, it's free scoring, it's never boring. You know, look at the way we put Mitchell in, mm-hmm. the way we defeated Hearts. I would love nothing better to be coming on and saying that, Russell. Discussing a team that you think is going places. Yep. At the moment in time, we're not going places. It's all right saying we'll be going places in a month. I keep saying it, month, two months, three months. We need to deal with the here and now. You know, you've got your eyebrows in four weeks. Celtic badly need players. Ange needs the tools. I keep stressing that as well. But in the meantime, he's going to have to deal with the situation mm-hmm. he finds himself in. Jablonich on Thursday night and Dundee on Saturday. You know, Celtic, <laughs> it seems strange to say, but Celtic are desperate need her two wins out of two from those games. 100% and you know Jablonec no, I don't want anyone to kid on they know much about them we don't but already you've got that wee bit of trepidation now in these sort of matches now how can we fall so far from grace I mean you could do the inquest I suppose forever I just want to see some positive signs uh, and, and to be honest with you that has to start from the scoreline at the end of the next 90 minutes being a positive one for Celtic and then you can start going, I've seen some good things there with the, the full-backs play or, or whatever wee bits of style Andrew's trying to implement. They should be coming secondary right now to that final scoreline. That scoreline that Amy Canavan has talked about being in the top corner of the screen. That is the most important thing. And if anyone is kidding themselves on and thinks this will be allowed to run and run for a full season, there's only one manager in the last, I can't remember how many years, I think it's something like 25 years, who survived not winning the league in their first season. And that was Neil Lennon and he took it to the last day um, and he was kept on. And I think I think it was when it went to the last day, I think Rangers went 3-0 up in the first 20 minutes or something in their match. And we all just had to make peace with that a lot earlier than the last times we've lost it on the last day. So Neil Lennon was given the benefit of the doubt then because we could see it was going the right direction. But he's one of a very few examples you can think of. And certainly in recent history, he's the only one who hasn't won it in the first season and been kept on. So yeah. if we if we are to carry on like this, Tony, my concern would be you might find that you're back to square one next summer anyway if history is to be repeated. Yeah, and, and Celtic are a club that clearly don't learn from history, sadly. And also, I mean, I've seen a lot of people also saying, but remember the Bim Janssen season, he lost his first two games and stuff. Mm. And I, I think that's an unfair comparison because Bim Janssen, the likes of Larson in his team, he had Lambert, he had Burley, he had Mialbe. You know, he's he top-notch players. And the Champions League winner. Two and, Champions League, well, eventually Henrik went on to become one. No, Ange doesn't have that at his disposal, which... Again, I would cut them some slack and say, well, they're the kind of players that will bail them out of hole eventually. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't have that. So those kind of comparisons, while statistically, yeah, they might be true, but it's certainly it's a, it's, a, it's a different playing field. It's not even a level playing field, you know, isn't it? It's just the, the playing field's skewed now, you know? Oh, completely. You know, so I, 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 I genuinely feel for Andy. I think at this moment in time, He's he's in the wrong movie because I think he's maybe been promised stuff that's maybe not materialised, and as mm-hmm. time goes on, he's getting more and more frustrated. And the good thing about him, actually, I'll I'll give him kudos for that. He is actually telling you what's going on, what's happening as we go. Mm-hmm. He he said we need players. Maybe I've not been forceful enough, which tends to suggest that he ain't going to be palmed off with loan signings or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad about that, and he will he will back his corner, and he will back the players' corner when he mm-hmm. responds to the, the catastrophic question the other night about the Champions League, and you know uh, that that's fair enough. I get all that, but at some point also you want to see the manager now, Sinem, coming to fruition, absolutely coming, coming to the fore. You know, yeah. a couple of signs, yeah, but there's still a wee bit of worry there and doubt that. You know, he could have changed things in all of those three. Because you watch the same game. You've watched the same game three times in a row, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know? And not, not in in all those games as well. Like I say, we were in the lead in two of them. The other yeah. one, we've got back into it. Celtic of old get back into that game. They then go on and, and win it. 
Yeah. They take the lead in Europe, and okay, the European movie, we could argue, has been a struggle for a long time. However, I just think that the opposition was poor that we were playing, if I'm being honest to you. And for a position of strength, we capitulated both times. So I am frustrated in that aspect. I think, of course, Ange does need... He needs time, but how much of it you can afford to give um, will be debated as the season goes on, certainly if it carries on in the current manner that it is. The one mad thing, I mean, we talk about futuristic football and the future of football, Tony, is XG and stats. I read a stat today. Celtic going into that game at Tidecastle statistically had a 55.7% chance of winning Hearts only a 23% chance. The honest truth is, did you feel like that before kickoff? Because my flatmate will be delighted with me because I told him Hearts will win 2-1. He won £75 um, from a fiver, so well done, Lee. And uh, that was purely... That's not based on me thinking, oh, they've got a 55.37% chance of winning or any of that nonsense. The fact of the matter is, you've got to use your eyes and watch what's happening. And on the two performances I've seen leading up to the Hearts match, and based on the the players that he had to choose from going into the game, we all knew that Saturday was going to be a struggle. Let's be honest. But having... Yeah, I mean, I think that was the kind of gut feeling that most Celtics... The gut feeling. I, I, I reiterate, they were playing Hearts who just come up from the Championship. So you thought... And then when I saw the team... I say that on the pre-match, I thought he'd pick the horses for courses team to go out and win the game, which I thought made sense, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the beat on for Welsh was the, the only, you know, the only question mark. And I think he was persevering with French Eddie because he's still the best striker we've got at the club. Mm-hmm. But you have to get the ball to, to strikers, don't you? But again, French Eddie looked disinterested. And then near beat on and Starfelt okay, their stats will say they're not the best in the air, but they were posted missing at a bread and butter free kick in the last minute. And a man who wanted to win the ball more than anybody, who was hungrier to win the ball more than anybody, Suter planks it in your net and you lose the game. And it's just last season all over again. We're talking about history repeating itself. Bread Mm -hmm. and butter goals, you know what I mean? So again, surely getting back to Ante Willow, Ange will have known that from last season. Right, where's it gone wrong? Lost a lot of goals, set plays. You know, go and, go and put your head in that cross. Someone, mm. and he was standing when nobody needed him. And that message needs to be clear, Tony, to the players as well, that that's, I need someone doing that, you know? Of course. Somebody but, take responsibility. You know? Exactly. And, and I know we've not touched upon it and we never really touched upon it the other night. Two big decisions in the game, right, that went against Celtic. You know, now Andy Hardy's challenge a straight red card. Don't care what Andy says. That's an ankle breaker. He's lucky Callum McGregor got him walked away from it. And the offside goal, fair enough. Now, a lot of people, I'm no a conspiracy theorist. I just think they'll just rank bad decisions, right? But, okay. uh, and could have, would have, should have probably changed the nature and course of the game. But you don't know the way Celtic were playing even if Hearts had gone down to 10 men, I still wouldn't have been confident of putting them to the sword because they never created any clear-cut opportunities. But score no. a perfectly good goal, but we don't have VAR. So, you know, uh, they were on the receiving end of, of that call. But I think I think they can be mentioned, yes, but it's not why Celtic got beat. No, you're absolutely right, Tony. I mean, the thing is, we can only be in control of what we can influence and what we can do ourselves. So that's what we need to be scrutinising. If you do want to talk about the decisions, there's certain things that are out with your control that you can forecast and you can predict Andy Haldy's going to be doing tackles like that. He's an embarrassment, by the way. I mean, honestly, actually saying to the ref he got the ball after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a reason he's more famous for being a football personality now on another podcast than he is a player because what he did was shocking but should be expected these things are going to happen decisions fine margin decisions going against us doesn't always even need to be 
a conspiracy against Celtic. Sometimes the officials are just of a poor standard and they get things wrong when it's a fine margin. We need to be prepared for that as well. And if we're going to use these two things as excuses for not winning that match, then I find that, you know, victimisation at its very best. I mean, I don't think we can go down that road. We should be talking about what we're in control of and what we have in our destiny. And that was 90 minutes of football against a team just promoted. And at the end of the day, the same goes to Mitchelland. They didn't have 5 million players sitting on the bench. They didn't. And we're talking about the set-piece thing, Tony, you know. You come into a new job, surely you're looking at what went wrong last season. How did this job become available? This job became available because the previous manager failed. What was the reasons for his failure? Again, Ange doesn't need to know the politics involved. He should be, as a football man, watching what he sees on the pitch. Therefore, go on. See, as football men, John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan should be pointing that out to him from the get-go. This was an issue. 18 goals in the SBFL from set pieces last season. Yeah. One game, one goal already. Yeah. So, But these two guys should have came in the fore then and said to Ange, Ange, let me help you here. Here's what happened last season. Yep. Here was our Achilles heel. Yes. Something that we need to sort out. You know, so, again, you go back to, he is playing alone for I think, as the manager. And I have every sympathy for him. And yes, we've discussed with what's happening as a manager mm-hmm. in these three games. But nobody doesn't want them to do well. After no. We're not sitting here. Well. I mean, it's just preposterous. People say you're very negative. We're only going on the evidence we've seen so far. Want Ange to succeed more than anything with mm-hmm. his style and his philosophy. But he has to be helped. And if he's not getting help for the very two guys who are his right-hand men with something so basic that they couldn't cope with last season and 90 minutes into this season, they've come a cropper in the last minute for the exact same reasons, then. Yep. It's no good enough, is it? No. No. Three games so far, two different goalkeepers used already. That's not sound familiar for last season as well. (laughs) Now, that has got to be a bit on this coaching setup, including manager, when he comes in, what was one of the other traits of last season? Oh, we had to heavily rotate the keepers because none, none of them are really in particularly good form. None of them really have the faith of the defence in front of them. None of them had the faith of us or the manager at the time. So we heavily rotated them. That should be a position that was identified from day one that needed to be uh, addressed. Now, if it's taken this long, who do we want to blame for that? Who are we going to sit and say? Because the manager is clearly acknowledging he didn't have faith in Barkas by changing it now to Bain. And I don't think, by the way, Bain's culpable, particularly this weekend. But would it not be great? Do you not think set pieces to only can be influenced by a goalkeeper? Now, in terms of organisation, dominating the de- uh, the defenders, speaking to them, setting the setting up, helping them set up, giving them a shout, coming in and taking charge. Now. I don't think that's either Scott Bean or Barkas's forte. And I think that has got to be one of the factors in us conceding 18 goals from set pieces in the SPFL last season. An unbelievable number that is. I can't believe the goalkeeper position has still not been identified and remedied yet. I don't understand it. I don't understand how, when we concede that goal from the set piece, it was so reminiscent from last year. These things have to start. We have to start seeing evidence in front of us that these are changing before we're all going to start happy clapping. You know, oh, this is brilliant. Oh, you know, this is the Ange revolution. Well, I've not seen anything different yet. No. I'm disappointed in that. And I think that's, that's you hit the nail on the head there. I think it's the, the levels of disappointment. I mean, I spoke about a new manager bounce. I spoke about, you know, mm-hmm. and Ange spoke about he wanted to play a system and a style of football that get fans off their seats. I've not been off my seat once. Yeah. In, in, in terms of well, clapping the team and thinking, this is magic to watch. No, and, and that worries me, concerns me. And again, I know he doesn't have the players at his disposal that he wants at this moment in time. And then you go back to the board that need to back him. And I get all that, but you have to see some kind of signs of of improvement. And over those three games, I didn't see any signs of improvement. 
lot of people saying, you can see what he's trying to do. And, you know, there was, they, they, they played great against Hearts in spells. I, I don't, I didn't see that. I've got to no. be honest. And I'm, I, uh, I, I always say, and you see yourself, you, you see through football through your own prism and your own lens. You know, and I, my, maybe my lens are misted up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm short-sighted and I can't see, but, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm being flippant. But seriously, I, I watched the same game pan out three times in a row. And that's what worried me about the manager per se. Because a manager worth his salt, maybe not with the exception of the first one because they went down to 10 men, but they won at least two out of those three games. I think so. They won away away in Denmark and they won at Tyne Castle. And you take your draw at Celtic Park due to the circumstances with Neil Beaton being stupidity in the extreme. So you adapt to, as you say, circumstances where you've taken the lead twice against Michelin, not being, mm-hmm. not being able to hold on to it. And then you've drawn, drawn yourself back into the game from the most unlikely source in the park. And... Uh, You've not been able to go on, as you say, Celtic teams have all Celtic teams have all with the pummel tarts. Three one, four one. Mm-hmm. Once they got back into the into a, a contest like that. But it just didn't happen. And that and that worries me greatly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it was it was it was a disappointment, I think, in terms of the three matches. You've not seen a progression and I feel like the changes that could have been made could have been uh, or were made, sorry, could have been made earlier, if I'm being honest to you. But if your glasses are getting misty, Tony, then the question has to be, Angie, when will all those clouds disappear? Because that is what we're currently uh, we're currently looking at a situation where there's a negativity around the club, first and foremost. We're not trying to push negative vibes. We can only look at it as constructively as possible with the evidence in front of us, what we can see. It's not always fun. It's not always nice. Um, and right now, I do feel that there is players, you know, when you look at it, again, reminiscent of last summer though, five million goalkeeper comes in, five million EPL striker comes in, or uh, AC Milan loanee, Shane Duffy, Republic Island captain comes in, and we all thought, that looks great. You know, we've really strengthened our ranks so far. We can look at it positively. Swedish international, Japanese international, all above the four million pound mark, which we can't really expect much us to be spending much more than that. I don't think on individual transfer fees. So yeah, I suppose when you look at those sort of players coming, you go, that should be positive signs, and he can't get them fast enough into that team, Tony, for me. Yeah. And I, I do, I do feel a wee bit though. That when I look at Starfelt or you know, I just felt I don't really blame you. One training session and mm. that's your debut. Now that could have went two ways. It was just, you know, he bossed it and we all thought, well, and, and the thing is, not even deliberately, but like I touched on last week, if he'd bossed it, we'd have ended up saying, How come we didn't have him for the games against Mitchelland? So you almost, I mean, you've got to feel sorry for him. He couldn't win Starfelt, you know. Um Kyogo, I think, was thrown on with a blindfold on, basically, you know, and just told, hope something happens. Right. And we need to have better master plans than that. But Ange needs time, but he needs, he needs support. But I still think we can also hold, we hold the right to say, what what's he got right so far and have we been happy with it? Oh, he needs time and he needs support. We're, we're not shying away from that. He needs players, he needs to be mm-hmm. back ground control to Major Dom if he's listening he needs players you know what I mean mm-hmm. That's, we're, we're not getting away from that but he, uh, uh, that, I get back to it he has to find a way of dealing with the here and now and that way has to be yeah. winning football matches how he does it is his that's why he's been paid the money and that's why he's a Celtic manager but you have to find a way of shutting that back door and scoring you know and if that means dropping odds on Edouard who fast becoming a hate figure amongst the Celtic supporters then fair enough you know and if he that means giving a jetty an extended run of games then so be it and if and if he's going to play with these two wingers then they have to get the ball to a centre forward mm-hmm. Amy mentioned that Anthony Ralston was the only one that was putting in crosses 
But Edouard's less fair attitude, he was just like, yep. if I'm near it, fine. If I'm there, never mind, you know. So, but we have to attack with purpose, you know, and if we're going to play with two Brown, I mean, we played with Forrest and Abada, and I've never seen them take their man on once and create anything. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I just didn't see them. I, I, I would have been more encouraged if those two guys played well and they were, you know, crossing across the face and, you know, guys missing chances, whatever. I'd have been really encouraged by that, but I just didn't see any evidence of that. We look at turning points, and I've got to be honest. See the the first sort uh, the first leg against Mitchell, that first half up to the sending off. That's the most encouraging sign I've seen so far of what yeah. what the uh, what the the setup's going to be, what the future holds, what it looks like, what it could be. Yes, and then since then, it's like that that moment seems to have stopped that progress that was. You know, I thought there was some really good signs in that first 40 minutes. Yeah. I really did, of the free-flowing. And then, and then, since that red card... It's going to no, it's Yeah, it completely seems to have regressed. And we seem back to default. And our default position right now, it used to be winning, our default position. And it was for a very successful long time. The default position now seems to be back to this... Possession for possession's sake. No point. I always remember seeing it. Uh, I, he's not my favourite person, Guardiola, right? I, just a personal thing. I just don't like him. I don't like those grey jeans that he wears either. But I remember watching him talking to the players at City and he says, don't cross the ball for crossing's sake. If you cross it, do it with a purpose. I feel like Celtic had possession for possession's sake on Saturday night, 75% possession. And how many real goal-scoring opportunities created? How many times did you feel we're on the cusp of a winner here? Not once. In fact, the goal you find that Ralston scores, to me, went against everything else I've actually seen with us having the ball. It was a moment of magic from Ralston, as Amy says, but it was also against everything else that your eyes had, had, had seen us doing with the ball before that. It was it was inspired what he did. We can't we need to rely on more than that. XG. What was you know, let's get the, the XG figures up by actually having someone in the box who wants to be on the end of crosses, on the end of it, wants to create things, wants to make things happen. I mean it's incredible you say that start of seventy five percent possession and they still can try the Celtic still can try to find a way to lose the match. It's astonishing. Try to be as well as positive as we can, you know. Uh, Thursday night we've got another European tie, Russell, and uh, you just don't know how it's going to go, do you? No, it's, it really is entering the unknown this time, Tony. I mean, it would be great to go into the game on the back of you know maybe a confidence-building result, but so far it's three competitive, three competitive fixtures, zero wins. Um, defeated by Preston, 6-2 against West Ham in pre-season as well. You just have to think of the mindset right now. Ain't going to be in the most positive sort of um, sort of set. So the Yablonex really entering the unknown. It's a difficult one. Um, it's hard to call right now. You wonder if you might just see Kiel going from the start. If he's willing to put him on for 11 minutes again after such little time working with the team, if any. Starfelt, one session, put straight in the starting lineup. It kind of speaks volumes for the lack of faith, maybe that Postecoglou has some of the individuals right now as well. And you wonder if there is maybe, you know, these guys see it, you'll see them in the, in the starting lineup on Thursday. And if so, happy days, because then we can start looking at it going well. There's more tools that Postecoglou's had that he did want at his disposal. So maybe it would be a fairer assessment of yeah. how, his, how his team performs then. And I, I, I'm all for that. Yep, I'd be all for that as well. This has been the Monday Club Action. <laughs> <laughs> we'll reconvene over the week. Uh, here's hoping Celtic can get a result on Thursday and kickstart something. Andy's revolution. Thanks for coming. All right, all the best.
Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.